0: Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, episode number 101, where we will review highlights from the past 100 episodes that began in June of 2019 with a behind-the-scene lens, where we'll take a look at the results created from this podcast first, with the goal to inspire listeners to not just implement the ideas offered in each episode, but to think about what Horatio Sanchez from episode number 74 reminded me this week of the impact possible when you have an idea, nurture it, and watch it grow. My name is Andrea Samadhi and if you haven't met me yet, I'm a former educator who created this podcast to bring the most current neuroscience research along with high-performing experts who've risen to the top of their field with specific strategies or ideas that you can implement immediately, whether you're an educator or working in the corporate space to take your results to the next level. Before we get to the episode and the highlights learned from our guests, I want to share some of the unexpected results that have come as a byproduct of this podcast to perhaps light a spark under anyone who might be thinking of new ways to create brand awareness or market their business in 2021. If you've been thinking of ways that you can extend your voice, message, and reach, I highly recommend this mode of delivery. I also want to thank everyone who has supported us with this mission, come on as a guest, or downloaded an episode. We wouldn't exist without the guests who offer their time, expertise, and strategies designed to help our listeners in over 132 countries who tune in on a regular basis and take the ideas offered to make an impact locally in their schools, communities, businesses, and workplaces. I appreciate the feedback and messages received via social media and email, and I look forward to the next 100 episodes. As long as there's still growth, I'll continue to produce new episodes. So here's the three lessons learned looking back at our first 100 episodes. Lesson one. When there's a need, can you put a spin on it? I saw a serious need in the area of social and emotional learning that was being implemented in schools around the country and the world, and many educators didn't know the best way to begin their implementation. I thought it would be a good place to gather best practices from experts around the world to offer their ideas that we could all learn from and apply to our own lives but I knew I needed a bigger idea than just a podcast about social and emotional learning in our schools or emotional intelligence training in our workplaces. Too many people were already doing this, but not many people were teaching the basics of practical neuroscience as it relates to this topic. The idea to combine neuroscience and social emotional learning came with the thought that success in life and in college and career specifically relies on students' cognitive, the core skills your brain uses to think, read, remember, and pay attention, social and interpersonal skills, including the ability to navigate through social situations, resolve conflicts, show respect towards others, self-advocate, and learn how to work on a team with others, and emotional development, including the ability to recognize and manage one's emotions, demonstrate empathy, and cope with stress. In the corporate world, these skills aren't new, but they're newly important and of high urgency to develop in our future generations. I've mentioned this quote before, but I think it's important enough to repeat. A recent survey showed that 58% of employers say college graduates aren't adequately prepared for today's workforce, and those employers noted a particular gap in social and emotional skills. This is where our goal with this podcast began, to close this gap by exploring six social and emotional learning competencies as a springboard for discussion, and then tie in how an understanding of our brain can facilitate these strategies. Here's an aha moment with lesson one. That's really how I took the need and put a spin on it and came up with the title Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning in 2016, which was three years before launching the podcast. This title drew the session on the introduction to practical neuroscience to fill up with standing room only at the York Region District School Board Quest Conference in Toronto, Canada. This was my first presentation on the topic, and I knew at that moment there was a serious interest in this topic. Back then, I was working with one of the leading neuroscience researchers in the country, Mark Robert Waldman, and he had just finished writing his book, Neurowisdom, The New Brain Science of Money, Happiness, and Success. When he shared his research with me, I saw how practical neuroscience could help people to gain a deeper understanding of how to create change from the brain level and impact their social and emotional thinking, and I began to write the outline for the vision I saw. I also found Dr. Lori Desetel this year, who's now a good friend and supporter of her work. This is how we took a need and put a spin on it. The rest is history lesson two think impact versus income givers gain after the first few months of releasing episodes i heard from so many people who wanted to know how did you launch this idea and asked about some best practices as they began thinking of ways to replicate the results that inevitably come when you put in consistent effort that turns into weekly and monthly effort until it's no longer effort but what you do every day habitually If you want to know if launching a podcast would work for you, message me and I can send you some ideas on how to get started, but my first tip would be that you should pick a topic that you love, something you won't mind putting in the time and the effort to learn more about, as this is what you'll be immersed in on a daily basis. I heard a few times how do you make money with a podcast, and that's a great question and why I wanted the second lesson to focus on the impact you'll have, not the income. When you have enough listeners, you can earn money from sponsorships and ads, but the key is to use the podcast as a tool to drive people to your programs and services. Doors will start to open for you in ways that you've never imagined. I heard Max Lugavere, an American TV personality and health and wellness writer, talking about these incredible types of results at about his year two mark of his podcast. He was on Drew Perrohit's Broken Brain podcast talking about it. The income will come once you put your focus on service and helping others to achieve their goals. This is exactly the same concept as writing a book. Most people who dream of writing a book think that it'll take off like the Harry Potter series and they'll be set riding off into the sunset as a millionaire. The truth is that most authors never sell more than a few hundred copies of their books And for it to become a bestseller, it should reach 10,000 copies sold in a week. This is easier to do when you're selling larger volumes, like if you're selling your books to schools or organizations that really want your book in bulk. But it's not so easy to do when you're selling books one at a time or relying on Amazon as your distribution service. Authors know that books, like a podcast, are just a tool to get your message out there. Since I've released content both ways, I can say from experience that putting your best content out into the world for free with the idea of helping people will yield better results than thinking of selling your ideas before anyone even knows who you are aha moment with this lesson number two this podcast was actually originally going to be an educational course it was written for a publisher but a turn of events had me decide to release the content in the form of a podcast for free to be used by anyone who needs these ideas and resources what was interesting is that when i put a focus on the impact i wanted to create rather than the income it would give me back in return something magical happened Max Lugaveri mentioned it happened to him at the two-year mark, and I would say it happened to me around the 100th episode, just after about a year and seven months. The opportunities came disguised as consistent daily effort and work. Lesson 3. Master Prolific Quality Output, or PQO. I heard this statement for years, until this experience made me finally understand it. Brendan Burchard, the author of the book High Performance Habits, talks about how high performers have mastered the art of prolific quality output, or PQO. They produce more high-quality output than their peers over the long term, and that's how they become more effective, better known, more remembered. They aim their attention and consistent efforts towards PQO and minimize any distractions, including opportunities, that would steal them away from their craft. Over the years, I never really understood what PQO meant. I listened to Brendan explain it a few times, and he would give the example like Beyonce would put out hit after hit, or Ralph Lauren would create luxury and designer products after product, or even Seth Godin who would create blog post after blog post. Then there's the Wake Up It's Day One blog who explains PQO as it relates to athletes as the type of things you don't typically see an immediate reward with or you have to repeat on a daily basis. Think about Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Tom Brady, all the great athletes of all time. When you research them and understand how they became who they are today, All you ever read about is that they're focused on the fundamental things that improve their overall physical and mental skills, their PQO, and I would add consistently on a daily basis. So an aha moment with lesson three, I thought, what's my PQO? What's my output? What am I creating day in and day out? I've always been creating content, but it hit me after I had been producing episodes consistently for about a year that my PQO was the podcast episode. I'd created a certain standard with each episode that included the fact that each one had to be my best effort. If I wasn't ready to interview someone or had not researched them enough, I would not produce that episode until it hit that standard. I also saw the importance of creating a video interview where i could edit in images and text to explain what the person i was interviewing was talking about many times the concepts discussed are difficult to understand with words alone so this became another standard the final standard was that each interview had to be produced and released either that same day or no longer than two days after Waiting too long in production destroys the momentum created by the interview, so this meant many times that editing went into the night and researching early mornings and weekends. Many content producers outsource their video and audio editing in production, but to date, each of the episodes have been produced and edited by yours truly. We'll see what happens over the next 100 episodes. If you want to make an impact that goes beyond what your mind can imagine, a global impact, You need to have mastered prolific quality output. Do you know what your PQO is? Now that we've looked at some of the results created from this podcast that really were unexpected, this episode will take a closer look at some of the lessons learned from the speakers along the way as they relate to the six social and emotional competencies and how we tied in a connection to practical neuroscience for improved productivity and results. After each interview, I brainstormed the most important points learned with my husband since he's also in the field of education. He always asks after each interview, what did you learn from the speaker? And there's always two to five aha points that definitely surprise me. I love making connections between the speakers and mapping out what each one says to another episode. We really are connected and what one person says connects to what someone else will say in a later episode. I'm always looking for ways to take knowledge and make it applicable for anyone who's willing to apply and use it. Just as a note, even though I'd written an outline for the podcast, it did take a turn towards health and wellness close to the end of 2020, which I think was important and necessary. I'll pull out all the examples used from our speakers in the following areas four areas. So the first one is those speakers who demonstrate neuroscience to improve results. The second area is those experts who demonstrate the social-emotional learning competencies. Third area was those who explain social-emotional learning in the educational setting. And the fourth would be those experts who are involved with physical health, wellness, and nutrition. So here's the lessons learned from practical neuroscience the power in learning about how our amazing brain works. This area is where I spent the most time on the podcast making sure we had a variety of experts, many who are well-known with their books and research, to make a case for the importance of learning the basics of neuroscience to improve our productivity and results. Whether it was tips from 15-year-old Chloe Amen on how to change your brain and change your grades neuroscientist frederike fabricius on ways to achieve peak performance dr john medina on his brain rules or laurie dussettel on the power of implementing neuroscience in today's schools the one person who tied everything together was dr mary helen imardino yang with her research that shows the brain basis for integrating social emotional and academic development Her work shows how emotions and social relationships drive learning, bringing the entire podcast full circle as neuroscience meets social emotional learning. I saw the importance of these two topics and Mary Helen can prove why they are so important with her work at the University of Southern California in her Center for Effective Neuroscience Development Learning and Education. We'll continue to bring more lessons that tie in practical neuroscience to social, emotional, and academic development in our future episodes, as this really is the future of education. What was interesting to note is that with episode 68, I did an episode called The Neuroscience of Personal Change. I took Dr. Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and added how neuroscience ties to that. And this was the number one most downloaded episode showing me that people want to make connections linking neuroscience to success and the power in learning about our amazing brains and how they work. So some lessons learned from the top six social emotional learning competencies, starting with mindset. A great attitude does more than turn on the lights in our worlds. It seems to magically connect us to all sorts of serendipitous opportunities that were somehow absent before the change. Earl Nightingale said this. He's the author of Think and Grow Rich. So a lesson learned was from Frank Shankwitz from episode 40. He's modeled what happens when you keep a good mental mindset for the course of his whole life. So much so that they made a movie about his life called The Wish Man, and it's based on Frank's life story. He was a motorcycle cop in Arizona who was haunted by the traumatic separation from his father when he was a boy. After surviving a near-fatal accident, he finds hope with a terminally ill boy who reunites him with his father. To honor this boy, Frank creates the Make-A-Wish Foundation and continues to live a life of honor every day. Nothing can tear this man down. Follow him on social media and you'll see the importance of a great mental attitude. So with our second SEL competency with self-regulation, I've added a twist with persistence and perseverance to this trait. Success has to do with deliberate practice. Practice must be focused, determined, and in the environment where there's feedback. Malcolm Gladwell Dr. John Dunlusky from episode 37 started this topic off with his years of research that showed that deliberate practice was one of the most effective learning strategies versus just cramming for a test. We've all heard this and know that knowledge will be retained and recalled more efficiently when it's learned over a period of time. Todd Woodcroft, the former assistant coach to the Winnipeg Jets, currently the head coach to the University of Vermont's Catamounts, from episode 38, puts John Dunlosky's theory into practice as he explained that the daily grind in the NHL begins with hard work being a baseline of what's expected of each player, and that to rise above this baseline, players must embrace certain daily habits without complaining of the hard work, knowing that things don't get easier as you get better, they get harder with a repetition of these important skills. Dalik Shakawit further reinforced Dunlusky's research with his interview detailing the preparation involved in climbing Mount Everest, and neuroscientist Stephanie Fay from episode 39 shares why this space repetition is so important at the brain level when she explains how the neural pathways are formed with this daily, consistent practicing of a skill. Our third social emotional learning competency, self awareness, with the angle of mental health and well being. When I discover who I am, I'll be free. Ralph Allison. Moving into the third SEL competency, self-awareness, this was the area that received the most downloads. The second most downloaded episode was my interview with my mentor, Bob Proctor, that shares the idea that began over 20 years ago. The third most downloaded episode was my solo lesson with a deep dive into everything I learned working directly with Bob in the seminar industry for six years. Many of the speakers I interviewed in this area came from the connections I made from these speakers in the seminar industry from the late 90s. It was here I first saw the power of these social and emotional learning skills with 12 young teens who would inspire me to keep moving forward with this work. This section is full of speakers, leaders, entrepreneurs of all ages who have a vision, like I did, for change in our educational system. The fourth, fifth, and sixth competencies I've put all together in one lump. Uh, these last three competencies, I've put Greg Wolcott as the expert. He wrote the book Significant 72. And I'm going to mention my aha moment with Greg Wolcott in the next section. Now here's some lessons learned from experts who applied social emotional learning directly to education in the classroom. Lesson one take action even when you aren't ready. My first guest speaker was my husband, Majid Samadhi, who's always there to offer ideas, suggestions, and support with all my projects. So of course, when I needed to interview someone to launch this idea, I asked him to be my first guest. If you go back to episode number one that covers the why behind launching an SEL or emotional intelligence program in your school or workplace, you'll hear me interview him on his thoughts from the point of view of someone who spends most of his time working in schools across the country as a regional vice president of sales for an educational publishing company. This interview happened five minutes after he walked in the door after getting off a flight, I think from Los Angeles, and he put his suit jacket on my desk, and I handed him a sheet of questions and said, answer these and talk into the mic. I'm sure he'd been working since early that morning, and it was well into the evening when we recorded this episode, but he did it without rehearsing his answers or spending any time preparing. We launched the podcast when we weren't 100% ready because if we didn't, I'm sure we'd still be spending our days planning. Take action even when you're not ready. Lesson two, pay attention to everything and everyone. Small details can lead to big discoveries and relationships that last. My second interview was with educator Ron Hall from Valley Day School, who I found from an article I saw through LinkedIn, and I reached out to him hoping he would say yes to being a guest on the show. He agreed, and we've remained in contact ever since. Something funny to mention is that I had just started using Zoom for these interviews a year before everyone would start using Zoom for work with the pandemic, and I hadn't yet mastered the audio. There was this setting on my end that I needed to fix, and I finally figured it out, but I'll never forget the stress of just sitting there, watching my first guest, trying everything on his end to fix the audio when the problem was on my end. Anyway, once we figured it all out, Ron spoke about how he launched his neuroscience program in his school, and one of his major influencers was the author and speaker named Horatio Sanchez. When I created the video for Ron's interview, I added an image of Horatio as he explained his story. This became important a year later when I was introduced to Horatio Sanchez from Corwin Press Publishers for episode 74. With each person you meet, whether in life or work, it's important to pay attention to small details that can lead to something important to you later on. Always develop and maintain relationships as you never know how that person could be assistance to you or you to them at some point in the future. I'm forever grateful for Ron Hallm being my first guest and staying in touch with me and for the introduction to Horatio Sanchez, who I'm working with now on another project. Be grateful for building relationships that last. My third lesson from this section would be keep learning and don't get in your own way. One of my early interviews was Greg Wolcott uh, he's the assistant superintendent from Chicago and the author of the book I mentioned before Significant 72. I'd been following Greg's work since I heard him on an SEL webinar in 2016 where he explained how he was building relationships in schools across the country. Greg quickly became an incredible supporter of the podcast and our interview and he referred me to many other guests. We became friends and we've kept in touch as each episode was released. He would let me know how the information was useful to him and the educators he was working with and he would brainstorm ways that the episodes were helping him. This gave me belief in the content as I saw it being applied and made me realize and it was crazy that I was nervous interviewing Greg who had become an incredible support leading me to step out of my own way and into a path of greater opportunity down the line. This reminded me to keep learning and don't get in your own way. And our final section, lessons learned from health and nutrition. When I launched this podcast, I had no idea I was even going to go in the direction of health while being in nutrition. It just happened. Health is my number one personal value and something I put an incredible amount of time towards. So it wasn't a surprise to me that when the pandemic hit, I saw the importance of interviewing people who are putting a focus on their physical health as well as their mental health and well-being. I've always stayed close to my trainer Kelly Schmidt from episode 51, but when I watched a documentary on the health staples that were shown to prevent Alzheimer's disease, I decided I needed to expand what I knew in this area. So I took the five health staples and began to look for people I could contact who were experts in each of these areas. I met Luke DePron on LinkedIn, who connected me to Dr. Stickler and Demomo Vyushic. I reached out to Shane Creato from Dr. Amon's clinics, leading us to get our brain scans and learn more about the importance of sleep. And finally, I reached out to Jason Whitrock through Instagram after his videos had inspired me to change my diet a few years back. This set of interviews led me to moderate PodBeam's Wellness Week with Dr. Carolyn Leaf and John Kim, who you bet I'm working on getting on the podcast for 2021. I hope you've enjoyed this review of our first 100 episodes. There's a lot of information to review and many lessons that I plan on revisiting over the holidays as a review myself. I'll definitely be reviewing episode 66, The Neuroscience of Personal Change, which was our number one episode, and we'll be planning season five. Please do send me a message by social media or email andrea at achieveit360.com and let me know what episodes you'd like so I can be sure I'm producing the best content I can for you. I'll also put a link to each episode in the show notes so you can review and access them. Happy holidays and see you next year.